Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 44. Genesis 44, and we are really in the thick of things in the story of Joseph. We go verse by verse, and uh, we're almost at the end of, we're only 44, okay. Joseph's, yeah, Genesis is almost done. Praise God, right? And after that, we'll see what we do, right? <laughs> Genesis 44 uh, is probably, 44 and 45 are the, the, the pinnacle, the highlights of this Joseph story. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to read the entire chapter, and then I'm going to teach the entire chapter, Lord willing. Yes, you heard me, the entire chapter. <laughs> See, all looked at me like, <laughs> you mean not just one verse? <laughs> Then he, now let me just give you a context here. No, actually, let me read it, then I'll give you a context. Then he commanded his house steward, he meaning Joseph, commanded his house steward, saying, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Now put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest and his money for the grain. And he did as Joseph had told him. And as the morning light broke, the men were sent away, they with their donkeys. Now, they had gone just out of the the city, were not far off when Joseph said to his his house uh, steward, Arise, pursue the men. You shall overtake them and say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from whom my Lord drinks? And in, in, in which indeed he uses to interpret omens, you have done evil in, in doing this. So we overtook them and spoke these words to them. And they said to him, why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far, far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks we have brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from my Lord's house, from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and also we will be my Lord's slaves. So he said, let it be also according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, but the rest of you shall shall be innocent. You'll go free. Then they hurried Each man brought down his own sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. So he searched, beginning from the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. Then Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there. So they fell to the ground before him. And Joseph said to them, What is this deed that you have done? Do you not know that such a man as I can interpret omens? So Judah said, What can we say to my Lord? What can we speak? And how can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Behold, my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whom possession the cup has been found. But he, Joseph, said, If 
Far be it from me to do this. The man in whom the possession of the cup has been found, he shall be my slave, but as for you, go up in peace to your father. Then Judah came near to him and said, O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, for you are equal to Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have an old father and a little child of his old age. Now his brother is dead, so he alone is left of his mother, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, The the boy can't leave his father. If he should leave his father, his father would die. You said to your servants, however, if your youngest brother does not come down with you, you shall not see my face again. Thus it happened that when we went up to your servant, my father, we told them the words of my Lord. And our father said, go back and buy us a little food. But we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother is with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face if our youngest brother is not with us. And your servant, my father, said to us, You know that my wife bore me two sons. And the one went out from me. And I said, Surely he is torn to pieces. And I have not seen him since. If you take this one, Benjamin, also from me, and harm befalls him, you will bring my gray, down, my gray hair down to Sheol in evil. It means I'll, I'll die. So now, when I, came, when I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, if I go back to dad, and the boy is not with us, and his life is bound up in the boy's life, so it will be that when he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die. Thus your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol, that's the place of the dead, in sorrow. If we come back and Benjamin's not with us, he's going to die a grieved man. Verse 32, For your servant, Judah speaking himself, for your servant became a guarantee for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the sin before my father all my days. So now, please let your servant remain. Take me, he said. Instead of the boy, as a slave to my Lord, and let the boy go up with his brothers. For how shall I go up to my father if the boy is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? Wow. Ooh, we're getting, we're getting there, aren't we? I mean, let's just back up a little bit here. This has been 20, Joseph was, okay, chapter 37, Joseph is 17. This is 22 years later. Uh, Joseph's been through a whole lot. The, the boys, the, 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 the sons of Jacob, the remaining sons of Jacob, uh, have had to live for 20 some odd years with the knowledge and the understanding and the constant the conscience speaking to them over the years of what they did to Joseph. And that they come. Joseph, of course, has this dream at 17 that two dreams. And one shows 
that essentially his brothers are going to come bow down to him. And later on, the rest of the family, right? Dad too. And the brothers were like, no way are we going to bow down to you, you little pipsqueak. <laughs> you're just this 17-year-old little brat. And you're a tattletale too because you're dad's favorite and you tell on us. That's how they, they had this, they, they couldn't stand Joseph. The brothers were up to no good. You know, the three oldest were, were complete turkeys. Reuben sleeps with his dad's concubine, with one of his dad's wives. A little gross. Because he's trying to do an up, one up, you know, he's trying to take control and power and say, and then Reuben's like, you know. And then Simeon and Levi, they tricked the men of Shechem. Shechem, the place where the woman at the well in John 4 is from. They slaughtered the men of the, of, because, they, because their, their sister was raped. These weren't good dudes. And then Judah. Judah's like, hey, let's not kill Joseph. Let's sell him. It was Judah's idea to sell Joseph to slavery. I mean, Joseph comes, you know, trying to check out, trying to bring back word from, uh, for dad of what's going on. And they take, they're in the middle of nowhere, in a sense. They're in Israel. It's a great country. And they sell him and they throw him into the pit and they sell him and, and they come back to dad and they say, Dad, is this your son's garment? It's bloody because they, they put goat's blood on over it. And now, now they're encountering Joseph himself and they don't realize it's Joseph, right? They've come because the famine, this, this, the famine is two years into a seven-year famine. And Joseph is now in charge. And they have no idea. And they are begging this man who's speaking through an interpreter to disguise himself. He's probably wearing some Egyptian garb, you know. He's got, he's, he has no hair probably because Egyptians like to shave their head, you know. And they're, very, and they're separate. And they're, and, and they're coming and they're desperate. And they came the first time and they got food. And Joseph had them their money returned. And that freaked them out. What is this that God is doing to us? Back in chapter 42, they discover the money is returned. What is God doing? To, and slowly but surely, God has been moving in their lives. And He's turning up the heat. He's turning up the heat slowly. And they come back. And in chapter 42, they come back and Joseph treats them to a dinner and gives them grace and kindness and has them sit before them. There's great compassion from him. Because now they return with their youngest brother, Benjamin. Joseph's whole brother. Who probably was a baby when he left. He hasn't seen his brother in 22 years. What does he look like? What does he sound like? Does he look like me? Does he look like mom or dad? Is he filled out? Is he, does he have a beard? What is, what is going on in Benjamin's life? Can I trust these brothers with Benjamin though? And Joseph, you know, some people say, why didn't Joseph just say, hey guys, here I am. I'm your long lost brother. Now, see, you can forgive somebody very quickly, which you should, but trust is earned. Right? There, there are times when, when spouses become separated and there's a lot of stuff that goes between them and there's a lot of healing that has to take place in the trust category. Right? This is between brothers. Now, they don't know it's his brother, but he has to test them out to find out what will they do. Have they changed? Are they changed men? 
Has God done anything in our lives to change them? And he's putting them to the test. He put them through the first test that says, hey, um, don't come back. I'm not going to sell you any more grain unless you come back, with, back here with your youngest brother, Benjamin. They go back and tell Jacob, but Jacob says, over my dead body, I'm not going to send him back. Well, now they come back. And Benjamin's there. They get the grain. Now imagine, they spent the previous night having a wonderful dinner with Joseph, with the man. Their tummies are full. They drink merrily. Now they got full sacks. And they're headed out. In their mind, they're thinking, oh man, coast is clear. Bless the Lord. We got out of that. Oh, I can't wait to go home and watch football, right? <laughs> Soccer or whatever it is. <laughs> They're not expecting this last test. Now, chapter 44 is their last test, and it's a test of loyalty. And what Joseph is going to do, he's going to, he's going to in a sense, replicate the scenario that he was in 20 years before. And he's going to see, will these brothers treat Benjamin the same way they treated me? Let's go through, I'm going to go through and just explain. First of all, we have the arrangement, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at the arrangement. This is the setting up of this test. It says, he commands his houseward, house, I want to say household servant, house servant, house servant, his servant, hey, fill the man's sacks with food, and as much as you can carry, put each man's money back in the mouth of his sack. Now put my silver cup. You know that silver cup I was using last night at the dinner? I was sitting right there, and the boys were that. Put that in, my, in, put that in the youngest sack. Put that in, in Benjamin's sack. Men go their way in verse 3 with their donkeys. They just got out of the city. In verse 4, the servant, the steward, overtakes them and says... What gives, guys? Why, why, why are you repaying evil? We are treating you well. We give you grain. Now you, you, you're going to do evil against us? Don't you know, that, look at verse 5, it's not this the one, this cup is the one which my Lord drinks, in which indeed he interprets omens. Now, let's just, this is part of the ruse. Joseph actually didn't do omens. Divination was forbidden in the land. Leviticus, Deuteronomy both mention you're not to go to a spiritist, a medium. Um, what they would do with, with these cups, they would, do, uh, they would mix oil and water, and the way they would look at the designs and kind of interpret, oh, this is, this is the will of the gods. You know, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, tea leaf type stuff, you know? Absolutely, it's, still, you know, it's, it's wrong. Because it's, you're dealing with the demonic realm here. So it's part of the ruse. He's not really interpreting Romans. It's, he just part of, it's part of, get them... Uh, Get them scared. <laughs> you have done evil in doing this. This is the whole setup that he's doing with this. He's, and, and he's interesting, he's repeating this word a few times, like three times in this chapter. Uh, he's, now they're being falsely accused in the same way that Joseph was being falsely accused when he was younger. Here comes that dreamer. He's, gonna just, he's just checking up on, on us because he's daddy's old favorite and there's a jealousy. Now the table's a turn. Verse 6 through 13 is the accusation. He overtakes in verse 6. So he overtook, overtook them and spoke these words to them. And they said, why, do, why does my Lord, why are you, what, are you, what are you talking about? Why does my Lord speak such words as, as these? What, 
far be it from your servants, why would we do such a thing? Now here's the thing. In the previous chapter, when they're locked up and they're by themselves, look, up, look go back to, uh, back, to, back to 42. Look at 42. Look at verse 17 and 18. And they have no idea what's going on. They still don't have any idea, but this is, this is no idea what's going on. He puts them in prison for three days. And Joseph says, hey, you know, let, um, uh, we'll go back to uh, verse 21, rather. While they're in prison, they're talking to one another, thinking they're talking quietly or privately. And they're like, hey, we're guilty concerning our brother. Okay, this is 20 years since they've talked about this, probably. And now they're starting to interpret the events of their lives. And they realize, oh, we're guilty. We're locked up. We're locked up in prison the same way our brother was locked up in, in that pit. Uh, we, we saw the distress of his soul when he begged us, yet we would not listen to this distress. Is, this, we would not listen, therefore this distress is coming. They know what's up. In verse 28, when they found the money returned, it says, what's this that God has done? But now in chapter 44, they've been honest men. Hey, your servants are honest men. We are the sons of one man. He had 12 sons. One is no more. The youngest is with our dad. We are honest men. The whole thing, he's not been on. Now, he's, now they're finally become honest men, aren't they? And now they're like, hey, what are you talking about? Why would, look back, 44 verse 7. 44 verse 7. I did not have coffee today. So, if, if I'm too, speaking, okay, okay. The Starbucks line was way too, fa- way too long. It's Sunday morning. Why is everyone at Starbucks? Come on. Y'all should be sleeping. I'm oh, going to church. Actually, that's what they're doing. Where was I at? 44-7. And they said to him, why does my Lord, what are you talking about? Why, why would we do such a thing? Look, verse 8. Listen, the money we found the first time, and we came back, and we said, hey, here's the money that was returned. Maybe it was an oversight. And here's more money to buy. We returned that money. We came all the way back from Canaan with that extra money. Why would we steal a little cup? How could we steal silver or gold from? And then they speak almost so uh, uh, so arrogantly and confidently. Hey, listen, whoever's whoever, verse nine, with whoever your servant is found, let him die. Whoever has a cup, let him die. And the rest of us will be your slaves. It's like, whoa, slow down there. Now, this is what's interesting. Look at verse 9. Watch this. They don't say, let him die and the rest of us will go home. No, we'll be your slaves too. You're, you're going to be getting to see a little shift in the brother's attitude. Let one of them die, but the rest will stay because we're going we're gonna to all stay together. That's going to come in the rest of this chapter. So the servant, verse 10, says, let it be according to your words. But he's going to say, yeah, that's a good idea, but here's, here's what I'm going to say. He with whom it is found shall be my slave. I'm not going to kill him. He'll be my slave, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Verse 11, then they hurried. Now imagine, they know they haven't taken anything. They know they've returned the money. They know they're innocent. They're honest men now. And they are so quick to prove that guy wrong and to get on with it. So it says, then 
Then they hurried. Each man brought his sack down to the ground, and each man, you could just, okay, here we go. They have no idea what's about to happen. So he searched, verse 12, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. Now he knew the order because Joseph had the boys sit in the order of their ages, oldest to youngest. And he starts with, the, with Reuben. And Reuben's like, see, nothing. And Simeon, come on now. And Levi, and then Judah, and the rest of them, Right? And they're probably not, they probably stopped paying attention. After maybe six or seven, they're like, yeah, nothing. And then when Benjamin opens his sack, Benjamin, little innocent Benjamin, who wasn't even part of the whole thing with Joseph, he's a baby. He has nothing to do with this. Benjamin opens his sack, verse 12, and the cup is found in Benjamin's sack. Now, here's what's interesting, what Joseph's doing. Benjamin is about to become a slave for a silver cup. Joseph became a slave for several pieces of silver. I don't think that's, I think that's very deliberate in Joseph's sense. He is recreating the scene that he went through. And now the question is, what will they do with Benjamin? You say you're on this, man. Hey, great, you brought back Benjamin back because, I've, because you guys are going to be hungry unless you came back with the, with the money and, and men. But will you show brotherly love? Remember the... Well, I'll, I'll pause on that. Look, let's keep reading. Um, verse 13. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. Now, they could have said, Bye, Ben. The man said, the one who found, who was founded, uh, he will be your slave, and the rest will be innocent. So they could have said, I'm so sorry, Ben, but they don't do that. Now they stick with their brother. Whereas before, they ignored Joseph's screams, guys, what are you doing? Please don't do this. And they still hear those screams in their ears, and it has haunted them for 20 years. That sin has haunted them. And they have been looking for ways to make it right. And they've seen their dad, Jacob, be grieved. He's never been the same man since then. How do you heal a broken heart? Especially if you lose a child, right? Mm -hmm. Parents, we know the the love of a, a parent for a child. Before you have kids, you can't explain. Once you have kids, it's like, you may have dogs before you have kids, right? We had Peppy. He was our first child, and then we came home. We came home with our our daughter. Get that, get away, dog! <laughs> he was just a dog, you know. <laughs> and that love a parent has for a child, and when a parent loses a child, how how do you? You can't. That's the grace of God. Can that's? He's been a broken man. And so now they're in a similar situation and know what that's effect, and they know if Benjamin is taken, what will they do? That will do to dad. And 
Let's look at the acknowledgement in verses 14 through 17, the acknowledgement. And now Judah steps forward. Now Judah is the fourth born. He is going to become the spokesman of all of Israel. His tribe is the lead tribe of Israel. It is through Judah that Messiah will come. David and the line of David and Jesus will come through Judah. Judah will come up and now he's going to demonstrate how God has transformed his heart. If you look at Judah's life beforehand, he is a selfish guy. Yeah, he's a jerk. In Jesus' name, right? I mean, he's he's just he just he's selfish. It was his idea to sell Joseph. Chapter thirty-seven, thir- chapter thirty-eight. He goes off on his own. He leaves his family. He has he has sons who end up dying. And he's supposed to give one of his sons to his, his daughter-in-law to raise up kids in his son's name, and he withholds that. And so she has to take matters in her own hand and disguise herself as a prostitute, and he comes and sleeps with her. And she says, hey, give me, some, some, uh, give me a, a deposit of sorts so I can... And then he finds out that she's pregnant, and she says, he says, kill her, because she's pregnant. She's played the harlot, you know? And she says, I'm pregnant by the man who these... Who belong to you? Your credit card, your driver's license, <laughs> and your iPhone. <laughs> Gulp. And he says, she is more righteous than I. That's chapter 38. Now Judah has a different tone to him, doesn't he? See, people think people can't change. You can't, you're right, without the grace of God, with the help of God, you can't. No one can change because we are dead in our sins. But Jesus Christ can change anyone's life. If he can take somebody like Moses who murdered somebody and make him into Moses the shepherd and leader. He could take Saul of Tarsus who was marching around trying to get Christians arrested and and killed. And Jesus says, "That's my. He's my spoken. He, I'm the. He's my chosen servant." And because the apostle Paul, anyone. Now, without Jesus, you can't change. You can go to the. You can go read self help books. You can watch Oprah and all those you know crazy people. Whatever. Nothing works. You know. You can change your behavior. You can become very strict and not eat and you know, meditating, all these kind of weird things, but, but you will never change a person's heart. That's the work of God. You guys know this. I'm preaching through the choir. I wish we had a choir. Nick, let's have a choir. <laughs> I won't volunteer because I can't sing. Judah, who is speaking now, verse 14, then Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, and he was still there, and so it says, they fall down to the ground. Now they're desperate. Sometimes God has, allow, has to allow you to become desperate. Now Judah is, he, they're, now they're desperate. Now, we're really, now it's more than just words. Yeah, we're honest, man. Now we're like, okay, now somebody's life's on the line, and we're not going to leave them hanging. That's how important it is. They fall down to the ground. Verse 15, and Joseph said to them, uh, what's this deed that you have done? Don't you know that such a man as I can interpret only? I can find out. Here's the thing. Indirectly, it's God saying, hey, I will find out everyone's sins. 
everything you do is before the eyes of God. And you know, Joseph's like, I could find out. And, and, and of course, they, you know, we understand that God's working through Joseph here. Don't you know that I can interpret omens? I love what Judah says now in verse 16. Judah said, what can I say, my Lord? Now just hear the tone. He's probably very quiet and subdued. Maybe before then, hey, wait a second, we're honest men. But now, what can I say? What can we speak? How can we justify ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Now what he is speaking has nothing to do with Benjamin and the cup. Judah is interpreting all the actions and say, this is the hand of God. We can't hide anymore. We can't run anymore. What can we say? We can't defend ourselves. We've been stripped of every defense. When you make a confession that is completely vulnerable and honest, it's there that the mercy of God comes in. They're not trying to, to, to defend themselves, to justify themselves, to blame anyone. They say, God has found out the iniquity, the one from 20 years ago with our brother, how we sold him and ignored him. He, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. And then he says, Behold, we are my Lord's slaves, both we and the one in whom the possession of the cup is found. We're going to be together with Benjamin. We're not leaving him. We, we did that last time and it didn't work. Uh, we're not going to redo that mistake again. We're going to do it differently. How do you know a person's just changed? Give them the same scenario and see how they respond. Now Judah is willing to say, we're going to stay a slave for you and all of us will stay together because we're not going to go back to dead without our brother. And we're going to be paying for what we did Joseph. It's not just the silver cup issue. And Joseph gives him one more test. But he says, far be it from me to do this. The man in whose possession the cup has been found, he shall be my slave. Hey guys, hey, I only want the man who had the cup. The rest of y'all can go free. Go in peace to your father. Look how ironic that is. Go in peace to your father. You think any of the boys will be at peace as they're walking away from their brother, knowing what they're going to do to their dad? You think there's going to be any peace in that? Then we have the appeal verses 18 to 34, and this is Jude again. And this is described, this section is described as probably one of the most powerful, this is the most powerful speech in, in Genesis and one of the most powerful speeches in all of Scripture. Then Judah came near to him and said, 
O my Lord, may your servant please speak a word in my Lord's ears, and do not be angry with your servant, because you're equal to you're equal to Pharaoh. You notice the humility he comes. Can I can I speak? Can I just say one thing, sir? You're, you, are, you are powerful, and I recognize that. You're, you're, like, you're just equal to, to Pharaoh, and, and I am just, I'm just a Hebrew. I'm a shepherd. I shouldn't even be. I'm. You, you asked, verse 19, you, you asked your servant, saying, do you have a father and brother? Okay, so he's going to relay the whole message, the whole thing. And we said, yeah, our father is old. He has a child who's younger. He had him in his young, and, 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 and we have another brother who's dead. And so, this child is the only one remaining of his mother. That's Rachel, and he loves him. So Joseph was, was dad's favorite before, but now Benjamin has taken that place. And you said to your servants, verse 21, bring him down to me that I may set eyes on him. And we said, listen, the boy can't leave his father. If he should leave his father, his father will die. But you said, if your youngest brother doesn't come down with you, you you're not going to see my face. So we were in a dilemma. We understood. We, we, we went back to dad and said, dad, can we bring Benjamin with us? And he said, no. I'm not going to... What if something happens to him on the way? I'm, I can't go through that if he ends up dead or missing or something else. So we went back to dad, and dad said, hey, buy us some food. And verse 26, we said, we can't do it. We cannot go down. If our brothers, if Benjamin's with us, we'll go down. But if he's not with us, we can't, he's not going to let us see him. And so verse 27, you're, you're, my, my father said, hey, you know, my wife bore me two sons. Rachel had two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. Benjamin, she died giving birth to Benjamin. Rachel's the one whom Jacob actually loved. Verse 28, And the one went out from me, and surely he is torn to pieces, speaking of Joseph. And I have not seen him since. He doesn't, whenever, I don't know what happens to Joseph. I think he's gone forever. I haven't seen him since. And if you take this one also from me, and harm befalls him, you'll bring my gray hair down to Sheol in evil. So now, this is Judah speaking, when I come to my dad, Jacob, your servant, and the boy, Benjamin, is not with us, for his life is bound up in the boy's life. And the, the, the word describes a very close relationship. But, uh, David and Jonathan had this bound that were like best buds. They were like, you know, super BFFs, right? Like brothers, but my dad and Benjamin are like this, and I, I can't do that. His life is bound up, and if he sees the boy's not with us, he will have he will die. Do you see what's do you, oh god let me finish reading, I'm gonna comment here, okay? Because because Judah is making intercession for Benjamin, and Judah is appealing to this powerful man for Benjamin's life. And Judah's like, listen, if this happens, my dad's going to die. Please don't let this happen. I care about my dad. Before, I couldn't care less. Before, I could just care about myself. But now, I care about him, and I don't care what happens to me, but 
please, sir. He has, he has an empathetic, compassionate, self, selfless, self-sacrificing attitude is what you see in Judah. Verse 31, So it will be that when he sees the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will bring the gray hair of your servant, our father, down to Sheol in sorrow. And verse 32 is key. For your servant, I, me, became a guarantee for the boy. I said, if I do not bring him back, then I shall bear the son before my, the, the sin before my father. If I don't come back, I'm guilty, and the rest of my days, it's on me. It's on me. So now, verse 33, please let your servant remain instead of the boy. Let me remain as a slave and let the boy go with his brothers. For how can I go up to my father if the boy is not with me, lest I see the evil that would overtake my father? Do you see the changed heart as he's interceding and pleading for Benjamin's life. You see that? Judah is pleading. He is desperate because he knows the stakes are high, right? Why is it that Judah will become the lead tribe in Israel? Because God said so. God said it, I believe it, that sells it. <laughs> Judah, in one sense, demonstrates by example the way Israel is supposed to be in caring, in brotherly love for one another and self-sacrificial love for your brothers. And Judah will become the lead tribe because God says, if you want to be a leader in my house, you have to be a servant, have humility, be self-sacrificing. Judah is demonstrate what true spiritual leadership is all about. And true leadership is not about the man. True leadership is about the humility of serving and of giving of yourself for others' benefit. If Israel, the first, let's look at the context here, the first audience, the first people this is spoken to, if, Jude, if Israel is going to be a people of God, the people of God that's light to the dark world, and they're going to show what, the world, what God's really like, they're going to show the world, they're supposed to show the world that God is one who gives, who, who saves, who is compassionate. And Judah's tribe, and Judah, and men like Judah, like David, and like Jesus, demonstrate spiritual leadership, demonstrate selfless sacrifice and compassion and caring for others. We heard a great testimony, or a great, uh, what was yesterday at the, at the conference? Frank Turek talked about how the, the Hollywood gets it wrong with everything else, but they want to have a story where it does it right. They always have the, the hero sacrifice himself to save others. And where do they get that from? And Judah is a picture of Christ. Jesus, who becomes our intercessor before the Father 
who pleads for us, who prays for us. And not only that, he takes our place. Amen? He says, take me. He says, verse 32, I, I, I'm guaranteed, I'm the guarantee for my, for my, for my, to my father for the boy. Uh, if I don't bring him back, I will bear the sin. Uh, please take your servant. Let me remain. Let me take his place instead of the boy. That's a picture of Jesus Christ taking our place. Oh man, I'm preaching another sermon now. We should become Pentecostal. Have like three hours messages. Or so. <laughs> Jesus Christ took our place. Amen. You know, Benjamin wasn't guilty of any of the, um, or all of us guilty. But, but Ben needed intercession as well. Jesus Christ is the one whom, who is pictured here, this selfless sacrifice. That's why, you know, that's why I said good leadership is not, good leadership is not about the man. It's not about serving me. It's not about personality. That's why it's like, don't make the pastor like a king or a prince, because I'm not. Jesus says, you, know, you want to be great leaders? Here, follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Take up your towel. Wash some feet. Serve the people. That's leadership. Being loud and arrogant and boastful is not leadership in, in Christ's world. I got no amens. Okay. <laughs> It is one of humility. God, make me humble. I, don't want, I, I want God to be glorified. Jesus Christ takes our place on the cross. Uh, uh, can I just turn to one more verse? Because I know we're, we're running out of time. And 1 Corinthians 15. I just want to point this out. I, maybe we'll continue on this, but... First Corinthians, and I, I, I had a ton of verses of it, and I, I, I didn't share the verses, but First Corinthians 15, 15. First, this is foundational. First Corinthians 15 is about the resurrection, right? Please. I make known to you, I'm verse, I'm, my focusing is on 3 and 4, but I'm going to start on verse 1. Now make known to you, brothers, the gospel which I proclaim to you as good news, which you also received. Now, good news, and which you also stand, by which, verse 2, you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I proclaim to you as good news, unless you believe for nothing. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died. What's the next word? For our sins. That's a key word in Paul's writings is for. He died for our sins. He took our place on that cross. Just as Judah is offering to take Benjamin's place, Jesus Christ takes our place. For our sins, according to the Scripture, He was buried, He was raised on the third day, according to the Scripture. The whole word there is for. 
it is substitutionary. It is vicarious. It is Christ saying, punish me instead of them. Take me instead of them. Without that, there's no gospel. There's no good news. Without there, that, without there there's, there's, there's death. There's misery. There's... I don't think people, you guys know this, but a lot of people don't understand why that's so necessary. You have two reasons. One, you have the sinfulness of sin. And we think, oh, sin's not so bad. Maybe we'll do a study of sin and all the different ways sin is. The sinfulness of sin and the holiness of God. And the only answer in this is not, is not, is not for a person to do enough good deeds to make themselves better. You can't do that. It is for Jesus Christ to take your place. I know I'm out of time. Let's go back to Joseph. Go back to 44. Oh, Benjamin, or, or Judah, rather. Real quick. One, two, three. Five lessons. I'm going to say them real quick. Five lessons we learn about God. First of all, God is interested in reconciliation. This whole thing is about reconciliation among the family. Okay. Again, if Israel is the first example, the first audience, he's teaching them, and they have to learn to teach others that reconciliation is where it's at. Without this reconciliation, there's no nation of Israel. There's no nothing, right? So God is interested in family reconciliation and healing relationships. And it begins by humility, by confession sins and repentance, and saying, I'm sorry, please forgive me. God help me to do better. I am. I'm the. I'm the one who's wrong. I mean, you see the, the sense that Judah has. Secondly, God calls those who put others first to, uh, and who are willing to be loyal, to be His leaders. God calls those who put others first, who show brotherly love and loyalty, to be His spiritual leaders. Thirdly, God can transform anyone. Anyone, no matter how selfish they are and self-centered they are. With Jesus Christ, all things become new. The difference in my life personally is Jesus Christ. Your lives too, right? Who believe in Jesus. I can't claim any credit for the work of Christ. And I look back, Dwayne, I look back in my life, and you know how I was a sinful man. I'm like, only God. Only God. I'm st- I still sin, you know. <laughs> one, two, three, four. I said there's five. Fourth one, okay, these are lessons. Learn. God, first of all, God is interested in reconciliation and healing relationships. God calls those who put others first and are willing to be uh, uh, humble and, brother, and loyalty to leadership. God can transform anyone. Fourthly, God will always uncover your sin. Oh, I kind of want to get away from that one, right? <laughs> the secrets of men's hearts will be exposed, he says in Romans 2.16, 1 Corinthians 14, I think 25 it is. God will always uncover iniquity. And the reason for uncovering it is so that he can bring healing and forgiveness and restoration. And fifthly, well, maybe that's fourthly. 
Did I say five? I can't count. It was four. Four, there's four lessons that we've learned in this lesson. And I'm going to close up and pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you give grace to the humble, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you stood at our place on the cross the same way that Judah was willing to stand in place for Benjamin. Lord, you stood in our place, and we were facing a greater punishment than Judah was and that Benjamin was. But just as Judah showed the compassion and desperation for his younger brother, so Jesus, in interceding for us, both in prayer and also as the priest and as the sacrifice, faced the stakes were higher, Lord. But we are grateful, Lord, that Christ did that for us, that he purchased our freedom, and he purchased our forgiveness. And Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for the work that you have begun in many of our lives. You can take dead people and make them alive. You can take broken people and mend them and repair them. You take lost people and find them. Rejected people and accept them. Unloved people and you love them. People weighed down with heavy burdens, regret, and you take those burdens and you bear them yourselves, yourself, Lord. What a kind and compassionate God you are. We, pre- we give you praise, Jesus, Lord Jesus. Greater love had no one than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. Lord, you did that for us. Lord, I pray for anyone who may be in this room or watching online. If they they don't know you, Lord Jesus, I pray that you call them to repentance and faith in you and trust in you. Not to trust in themselves or their good works or their attempts to earn your love, Lord, but they would just receive As many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of the power of the flesh or blood, but of, of, of the Spirit, Lord. Pray for salvation, Lord. Pray for healing. Pray for reconciliation, Lord. Lord, we just thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.